Okay, we are recording. We are recording. Yes. Aud- Audacity is doing things now. <coughs> yes. Okay. So this is this is uh, hello everyone. Welcome to Up to the Shoulder podcast. Um, this is <laughs> this is round two uh, because we got I don't know maybe three minutes in the first time and 6. I point four five. Oh, are you serious? I'm serious. <gasps> okay, so we got six point four five minutes in before I realized that I had in fact forgotten to hit record on my on my recorder and bless uh jenny's been very patient with me but she's probably going to give me shit um yes oh yes (sighs) also hi that voice over there is amy the very not vet student yep and this voice over here is jenny who is the very vet student and this sometimes (laughs) (laughs) this is we're in it up to the shoulder darling podcast uh where jenny tells me gross veterinary things uh, and we glory in all the, just the total disgustingness that is vet practice, basically. There's always going to be so much poo. Yeah, it's a constant. Because, of course, we started this podcast before, we've completely forgotten what we said, and so we're just going to start, I'm just going to start with the intro. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. No, before that, thank you everyone for your patience. Yes. Apologies for the hiatus. I have been moving. I have moved into a new house. Um, it is, and um, for you people overseas, this is actually a novelty here in New Zealand. It is fully insulated, floor, walls, and ceiling, and it's double glazed. Yeah, which is super posh and costs a bunch of money if you're going to do it, especially if you're going to get it done um, retroactively, which is most of New Zealand because even now, I think on new builds, some people don't even bother, which is insane. Which is stupid. Double glazing makes everything so quiet. I'd love it. Oh, it's brilliant. Wait till you come down. You're going to just... Oh, oh look, um, I am so close to my neighbours. Uh, I share a driveway with two other houses and um, we are on top of each other all the time. And I would love... Like, I'm sure those kids are nice, but I would love to not hear them screaming and carrying on while they ride their scooters up and down the driveway. I really would. Yep. Our new neighbours have two large dogs. One is a Rottweiler, the other is a Mastiff of some kind. Oh, they're big, big voices. I ain't here shitting here. <laughs> I could really deal with that. Yeah, so we've been, it's been a big, big hiatus. Um, Jen was moving. I had a bunch of health stuff. Jen had some health stuff because we both just have, we're just wrecks of human beings. Yay, trigeminal neuralgia. Oh, God. Hooray, neuropathies! Fuck, if I could just have a new head, that'd be fantastic, please. Gotta catch them all. Neuropathies. Oh, God. Yeah, so, big hiatus. We're very sorry, but also very tired. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And in the meantime, while we were on this enormous hiatus, Jen apparently wrote a novel on today's... Oh, boy, did I ever. She got very excited. Oh, <laughs> this one is I'm really excited about this one because it's it's um it's it's very near and dear to my heart for reasons that will become obvious during Amy's history section. Okay. So it's do you want to name the name? Rinderpest. Rinderpest, which sounds like something out of a fantasy novel, honestly. Which it honestly may as well be because it is one of the oldest recognised plagues of cattle and it's 
also one of the only diseases that we have ever eliminated through vaccinations. Which is extremely cool! Please get vaccinated. Yeah, please get vaccinated. We'll have a little thing about it later on. I should probably have started with the introduction because it's all dark and sinister and this is very not dark and sinister. Mm -mm. But that's okay. We shall get right in it. Okay, okay. now, to the podcast. When attacked with the Chorus, their breathing becomes warm and thick. Fever in mankind is the same as Chorus and cattle. It is a sign of this disease when they hang down their heads and will not eat. It soon proves fatal and, when dissected, their lungs appear putrid. If I could describe Amy's face to you, it would be one of suitable horror. Mm. And alarm. <laughs> Fever sets in, then pinhead-sized, grayish-white foci of, neurotic, of necrotic epithelia appear in their mucous membranes, lining the mouth, nose, and coochie twinge mm. vagina. No! The oral lesions on the gums and the inside of the lower lip extend rapidly and accompanying with accompanying involvement of large areas of the cheek and the bottom and sides of the tongue. These necrotic erosions enlarge, coalesce, and are covered with yellow gunk, producing a fetid necropurulent discharge. <gasps> Animals salivate profusely, drink excessively, stop eating, and then the diarrhea begins. Our old friend diarrhea. So much poison. <laughs> but this diarrhea is dark green, occasionally yellowish-grey, malodorous, and contains a huge amount of mucus, epithelial debris, and blood. The rectum may prolapse. What? Yep. No! It's also uncontrollable and very profuse. Oh my god. I'm picturing it. It's a horror show. It really is. And what's even worse is it ain't just one cow that gets this. They all get it. Oh my So just imagine God. an entire herd of cows just water hosing poo out their ass. Oh, and it's green. Yeah. The oculonasal discharges become mucopurulent and the animals display photophobia due to conjunctiv- conjunctivitis. Ooh. The breathing becomes accelerated, laboured, painful, and often abdominal with grunting, exhalation, and occasional coughing. They grind their teeth and arch their backs with sunken eyes and sharp ribs. The rapid loss of fluid and electrolytes from salivation and diarrhoea redu- results in weakness and death. Few survive to the end of the third week. Mm. So what is rinderpest? Rinderpest is one of the oldest recognised diseases of cattle and buffalo, being described as far back... Jake, yep. look behind you. Hello, cat! <laughs> I have a cat! <laughs> I have a Nitsi who is trying to dumpling on. She's very cross because I'm actually sitting in her chair. So oh. I got this chair for me, but it's um, it's not my chair. It's oh, it's chair. that chair. Oh, no it's wonder. Yeah. She's yeah. very so she's probably quite. She's cross very with you. cross and she's floofing around. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> after now, now that Nitsi has has uh, departed our presence. Rinderpest is one of the oldest recognised diseases of cattle and buffalo, being described back as far as far back as. D- I'm going to try that <laughs> sentence again. It's the morning. Be- it's the morning. I haven't even had two coffees yet. <laughs> being described as far back as late Roman times. Ooh. I know. It affects cloven-hoofed animals, so cattle, buffalo, 
antelope and deer. No, not giraffes. Donkeys. Oh yeah, it'll it'll it'll. Actually, I don't know. No, because donkeys aren't um, two-toed, cloven hooved. Aren't they? No, donkeys have horse feet. I thought they had. Donkeys have horse feet. <gasps> I've been lied to. You have been lied to. But I've seen donkeys in person. Why haven't I been looking at their feet? Oh my god! You haven't been thinking about about them having different feet. No. You've just assumed that they have had. No, I get feet. distracted by the ears. They are truly spectacular ears. <laughs> I love donkey ears. Yes. It's one of my favourite things, is ears on a donkey. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Antelope and deer. Giraffes, not giraffes. Wildebeests and warthogs. Oh no, Pumba. While sheep and goats have been experimentally infected with rinderpest, they don't get very sick, but they can still pass it back to cows. Oh. Oh dear, that doesn't seem fair. No, it's really not. They just tootle around being infectious. I know. Oh, everything tootles around being infectious with rinderpest. It's just, it's, it's honestly, it's no wonder it's a member of the Morbillivirus genus. So this genus is the one that contains some of the most devastating diseases to both human and animals. Uh, measles and canine distemper are two examples. Oh, dang. Those are not to be fucked around with. No. Uh, researchers also suggest well, they think that measles likely arose in an environment where humans and cattle lived in very close proximity to one another. Uh, probably the cattle herds of Central or Southern Asia some 10,000 years ago at the time of domestication of wild aurochs. Oh. I want one of those, just FYI. You want an aurochs? They are extinct. I want an auroch. Are they extinct? I don't know. You were the one doing the research, my love. I didn't research aurochs. Hang on, I'm just going to research <laughs> aurochs because if they're not extinct, I'm getting one. Oh, heck. I'm pretty sure they are. Um, Actually, that's ringing a bell. Uh, I think you might be right. I think they might be extinct. Is it, yeah, the auroch, also known as the Urus Urwek, is an extinct species of large wild cattle that inhabited Europe, Asia, and North Africa. Thank you, Wikipedia. Woo. Oh, before we get any further, I have to I have to shout out to our um, resources, which mm-hmm. is, of course, Wikipedia. Yay. Please donate. <laughs> Wikipedia is amazing. And then the big one that I got most of my information was uh, Rinderpest and Pestid de Petit Ruminant. Virus Plagues of Large and Small Ruminants, edited by Thomas Barrett, Paul-Pierre Pastoring, and William P. Taylor. I also got a little bit of information from the Rinderpest Campaign, a virus, its vaccines, and global development in the 20th century by Amanda K. McVitty. That is actually her last McVitty. name. McVitty. McVitty. Isn't that a bicky in, in, um, in the UK? No, McVet. Oh, McVitty! Oh. Yes, McVetty. What? Perfect name for a Change vet. your name immediately. <laughs> I'll get right on that. Ah, that's so cool. And now we're on to history section with oh, Amy. That's me. That's me. Okay, so there's some stuff in here that I may mispronounce, but guess what? I don't care anymore. So tired. Just, I'm going to drink coffee. Uh, okay, so... Jen wrote me a goddamn novel. It's amazing. Um, she got very excited. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So it's a huge history. <laughs> um. Okay. So let me look at this. So apparently Aristotle, B 
back in 384 to 322 BC, before Common Era, wrote in the, Jesus Christ, not in that, but in um, the... Uh, Do you want me to? Yes, please. Stagirite de Historia Anumalium. Thank you, Jenny. Good God. It's too early in the morning for this. Latin. Ugh, why? Okay, so he wrote in that thing, what Jenny just said, that cattle suffer from two major diseases. 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 Oh, good Lord. The Podagra? The Podagra and the Crowria. Crowra. Crowra. Good Lord. The Podagra is a disease of the feet and is most probably foot and mouth disease. And according to the description that was given, the Crowra would t- be typical of rinderpest. So Severus Snape, no. <laughs> Wrong Severus, shut up. Um, Severus Sanctus Indelacious. Yes. Indelacious? Fucking Indelacus. Indelacus? I can't, I can't remember how you pronounce anything in Latin. I did do Latin for a year. I remember none of it. No, I didn't even do that. I just, you know, Wikipedia'd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like a normal human. So that guy, Severus, not Snape, in 376 to around 386, described a contagious disease occurring as a major epizootic in cattle. So epizootic. It's a disease that is temporarily widespread in an animal population. So when you have big plagues, they're epizootics. Okay, cool. So this is a plague. All right, cool. So epizootic, zootic, epizootic. Um, I'm just going to say epizootic because it sounds like something out of Monty Python. Um, in So it's epizootic, major epizootic in cattle. Moo. Um, so it was in the writings of Columella and Flavius Vegetus, Vegetius Renatus. All Romans. Yeah. Skipping forward quite far. So nice big gap. Nice big gap. It was recorded in Japanese literature, Chinese literature, Indian literature, um, I think Egyptian as well. Fuck. It was recorded in anything and everything literature. It was everywhere all the time. Heck. All right. So in 1893, James Mills, oh, I can pronounce that. Yay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Christ. Former director of the Bombay Veterinary College discovered old writings on palm leaves, flippin' heck, um, which showed that in ancient times how bovine diseases were classified and treated, and that rinderpest, anthrax, staggers, dysentery, good lord, here we go, pyrolasmosis, pyroplasmosis, pyro, oh there's another P in there, Yeah, thanks Jen, pyroplasmosis, meningiocephalitis, Cephalitis? Meningioencephalitis. Meningioencephalitis and ague, frick, must have been known. Okay, cool. So, great revelation of the palm leaves. Yes. Um, (laughs) I'm not even going to try. Jen's Jen's goal is to one day get me to sing on this podcast, which just, I have to remind myself not to. Um. (laughs) I will probably break into song at some stage this morning. (laughs) Ah, okay, so uh, rinderpest was mentioned in a Japanese-Portuguese dictionary published in 1603, this disease being known as tachi, 
and again in a handbook published in 1720 titled Gayuka Satsuyo. Beautiful. Thanks. It mentioned a highly contagious disease with high mortality called Tachi, characterized by fever, conjunctivitis, and nasal or ocular discharge. So gross. Yes. <sighs> just the eyes. I can't. The thought of anything in the eyes just so gross. I think the one time I had conjunctivitis, I was just like a freaking wreck. I hated it so much. It gets worse. Oh, that's just fab. Great. Brilliant. It has been seen on a regular basis in Western Europe since the 6th century. <sighs> um, it's been around a long time. Yes. Okay. So where's my mouse? I need to scroll. I need to scroll. There's some clicking. I, I may have wrote quite a bit. And this isn't even <laughs> the longest part of it. Like, <laughs> I'm on page two now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, since the 6th century. So Bernardo Ramazzini at the University of Padua uh, seems to be the first to clearly describe Rinderpest in 1712. It was also around this time that the contagious nature of the disease was acknowledged and origins other than transmissions uh, were rejected as scientifically unfounded. Which is a big step forwards because people thought you just magically got the plague. It was God's will! Oh, yeah, that nonsense. Frickin' heck. Um, so, okay, Johann Canold defined a plague by the three cardinal criteria, similar to those of Galen, uh, from 129 to 200 AD. So after they put the, the, the dude on the cross. Um, mm-hmm. Contagious transmission, high morbidity, and morality, and severe clinical findings. Yeah. Yo. Uh, during the Italian outbreak, Pope Clement ordered his physician, Dr. Lancisi, uh, Len- Lencisi? Lencisi? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that, that guy, that guy who treated the Pope, uh, to investigate the cause and prescribe measures for the control of the plague that had killed so many of the papal herd. Yeah. Never mind everybody else's herds. Just the papal herd. Yep. Just the god moose. Um, <laughs> the Christ cattle. I don't know. What do you want to go with? Um, Angels sing from on high. <laughs> um, papal herds. And a detailed account is given by Dr. Lancisi in 1715. His recommendations included slaughter to reduce the spread. Uh, restrict movement of the cattle, burial of whole animals in lime, uh, and an inspection of the meat. This led to the first effective control of rinderpest within a country. Hey! Good man! Yeah, the Vatican was good for one thing. Um, I'm going to get some serious shade. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I'm a heathen. What are you? I don't know. I don't know. My religious standpoint and my sexuality are just two things that I just throw up in the air and go, I don't know, and then get on and live my life. Ah, my heathen. Continue. (laughs) So, uh, do, 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 where was I? So, uh, they did the thing and they controlled the thing. Um, So, the same measures were successfully applied 
uh, to control an epidemic of rinderpest that invaded England in 1714 with cattle shipped from the Netherlands. Ooh, bad Dutch moose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it was necessary to train specialists to control rinderpest and other animal diseases, the first veterinary school was founded yeah. in 1761 in Lyon, in France. Woo! I think I've been there when I was much smaller. Yeah. I can't remember. That whole trip is just a blur. Don't take your children to Europe when they're like in primary school. They don't remember shit. Yeah. Um, or appreciate it. No. No, we just, you know, it just ruined us. We got a taste for good chocolate and just ruined us for everything else. <laughs> Don't do it to yourself. You'll be buying expensive <laughs> chocolate for your children ever since. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Oh, God. Okay. Got a taste for croissants. It just ruined, ruined oh. everything. You come back and the patisserie in this country was not up to scratch in the 90s. French croissant. I know. Oh. And you have to Pano get them fresh. Chocolat. Yes. Yes. And all the patisserie is fresh. It's all made that morning. Everything is beautiful. Everything is so light and fluffy. And I was in Spain and I never had a Spanish hot chocolate. Well, that's just unacceptable. We'll have to go back. And I've never yes. been to Spain, so, you know. Woohoo! We're down. Okay. Continue. One day when we have money and, you know, <laughs> money. less debt. <laughs> I don't know. In some dream future. Yes. Okay. Miscusi. That was my tea repeating on me. Um... And now I've lost where I was. Bad Dutch moose. Oh no! Uh, Lyon. Veterinary Leon. school. Lyon. Um, during the second half of the 18th century. Scrolly, 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 scrolly. Oh, look, the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, during the second half of the 18th century and early 19th century, incursions of rinderpest were less effectively eradicated in England than in continental Europe. Which is weird because it's an island. Um, each episode was costing a lot and taking a lot longer to eradicate than in France. Mm -hmm. Also, you're an island, guys. Come on. Uh, Edwards, writing in 1928, observed that this great expenditure was attributed most largely to the authorities paying heed to medical opinion and delaying with the cattle initially by attempting... Uh, wait, no, I've completely fucked that up. Let's start again. This great expenditure was attributed most largely to the authorities paying heed to medical opinion and delaying with the disease initially by attempted treatment, instead of placing confidence in at once in the methods recommended by the experienced veterinarians of the country. In France, where there already existed an organized veterinary service, the disease was exterminated at this time at relatively negligible cost. <laughs> Shade on the medical profession. Veterinarians <laughs> rule. We're gonna get firebombed. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love you, doctors. We do more animals, species. That's the word. <laughs> there you go. Um. Yeah. Okay. So my last is my last paragraph, guys. Get ready. The control measures established in 1865, when the state veterinary service was formed to deal with the epidemics. Epidemic. Just the one, just the one, are still in force today. Oh, that's cool. And remain the core of stamping out. And it's funny because you say stamping out and cow stamp, you know, there's a pun. <laughs> there's a pun in there somewhere. Only Jenny thinks I'm funny though. Uh, core of the stamping out policy for the control of highly contagious animal diseases. I made it through the novel. Hurrah. I done no, it. Got, and now no, you know I've the history of the test. 
Exactly. And it's a very important history, which is why I wrote a novel about it. The next novel is uh, coming up after this one. Um, so the next up is What Does It Do? Tell me everything. Okay. Oh, this is, this is truly, truly disgusting. <laughs> so the clinical disease has traditionally be, been divided into five stages. Okay. The first stage is the incubation stage, and mm-hmm. this lasts between three to nine days, depending mm-hmm. on how the virus got in and how virulent the strain of the virus is. Mm-hmm. So virulence is uh, how badly it fucks shit up. Mm-hmm. Yes. The second stage, this is called the prodromal phase. This is So the pr- prodromal means the initial symptom phase. Right. This lasts for about two to five days. Mm-hmm. and is characterized by a rising fever, which usually peaks at 40 to 41.5 degrees. That's Celsius for everyone else. I cannot, for the life of me, change that into Fahrenheit. So I'm, Oh, they I'm, can Google I'm it. Sorry, Everyone's Americans. got a phone. <clears throat> sorry, Americans. No, we're not. No. <laughs> Go metric, it's fun. It is. It's so much easier. Mm. The, the affected animals also show other signs of being unwell, such as restlessness, depression, inappetence, and a dry muzzle. All of the visible mucous membranes, so mucous membranes are the soft, squishy ones that are kind of pink, so that includes your nosy bits and your veggie bits and your mouthy bits, um, and sometimes your eye bits. They all look angry and red because they are congested with blood, and the eyes and nose start running. Great. Snot. Not away from the cow, just with snot. <laughs> I couldn't help it. That was a cheap shot. <laughs> the third stage is the mucosal or erosive stage. Ooh. This begins with those pinprick sized grey-white foci of necrotic epithelium. So Ooh. epithelium is everything your skin necrotic is dying never fun it's zombie tissue it's (laughs) it's zombie tissue that's what it is it's zombie tissue (laughs) oh my god i'm gonna remember that one forever now (laughs) use Um, it in an essay I will use it in an essay and I will probably have the reader either cry laughing or cross off because they're angry. They're angry old white men. Um, Welcome to VetPrac. Yeah. Um, We're just waiting for them to die out and then the next wave of veterinarians will come in and everything will be good. Mostly women as well, actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, So the zombie tissue and the mucosal membranes of the mouth sometimes of the nose and of the vagina Mm. no 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 we don't like that but mucosal membranes are mucosal membranes and the ones on your vag are the same as the ones up your nose well actually no they're not the same but they're similar enough it's the same principle so the lesions on the gums and the inside of the lips extend really quickly the tongue and the inside of the cheeks begin to erode. It spreads down the back of erode? their Erode? Yes. Erode? Erode. That is not a word you want applied to, to tissue. No, you really don't. They're erode? Craters. 
craters in their skin. No! <laughs> and these aren't just, you, you, you know, your acne craters. These are raw craters <sighs> where the zombie tissue is coming off. Oh! Yeah. So it spreads down the back of their throat. The pinpricks in the nose and the vagina expand to large erosions as well. These erosions coalesce and are covered with yellow cellular debris, inflammatory exudates, secretions, and, as I put here so eloquently, it stank bad. Uh, Why? (laughs) No! It's... This is this is oh. most importantly a very very bad smelling disease. You oh. could smell this a mile away from well, the stage and onwards. I'm just picturing like an entire paddock full of cattle with this, and yeah. they all smell horrendous. And if you stand down, when you'd fucking die. Yes, you'd keel over. And that's probably why it was so identifiable. Was that an entire herd would be affected and they would smell this bad. It's kind of hard not to notice. Wow. Like, you'd have to be, well, okay, some people who don't have a sense of smell wouldn't notice, but the rest of the world would notice. No wonder that Pope was like, fucking do something. They're stinking up the Vatican, man. Yep. Does yep. yuck. Yep. So they also salivate profusely because, well, everything hurts. Yeah. They drink constantly, produce regular soft poos, and they don't really eat much because eating would hurt so so much. much. Going in and out. Yep. Far out. Poor moose. Yep. The fourth stage is, you guessed it, the diarrhea stage. Oh, heck. Yes. So this is really interesting because the animal's temperature will suddenly drop to an, ab- to an abnormally low temperature. Oh. This is the first indication that you're going into the diuretic, diuretic stage. So first you've got a really, really, really high temperature and then it just goes thunk, straight down. And then there is the uncontrolled and very profuse diarrhea. So with the, sorry, with the high, so the high temperature is, because having a fever is usually the body trying to cook you, so you're trying to fight stuff off. Yes. So the drop in temperature would just be the body going, I can't fucking do it anymore. Just shit it out. Right? I actually don't know why the temperature suddenly drops. Uh, It's characteristic of Rinderpest. Um, I imagine, I imagine there, well, I'm saying, I'm saying that. It might also be characteristic of some other diseases that I haven't yet learned about, which I'm very interested to learn about. So if you do know any diseases that do this, send it through. Um, but this is very typical of Rinderpest. Ah, yes. interesting. Yes. Um, so this diarrhea is liquid. It's basically a hose pipe out of their assholes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dark green, sometimes oh. yellow or grey stanky as fuck and contains huge amount of mucus because it's literally stripping the intestinal lining because it's literally stripping the intestinal lining and blood because it's literally stripping the intestinal lining holy shit the rectum 
as I mentioned earlier, may prolapse. Oh. So they're literally shitting so much the rectum prolapses. That is... I'm sure... I'm sure there's some other reason why the rectum prolapses, but that's my excuse. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So typically and typically a very large proportion of the herd will get this and basically be shit in liquid. That is insane. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine what that would do to paddocks? Uh covered in green slime oh oh mm. oh no but usually back in those days they weren't so intensively farmed so it wouldn't be the whole paddock covered in covered in green slime it would be patches of the paddock that the cows have been in covered in green slime right okay yeah yeah so they they usually have they would usually have much much larger areas to roam than right the smaller paddocks that we have these days Okay. I promise I'm not yawning because I'm bored. I'm yawning because it is only just 20 past 10 in the morning on a Sunday. Yeah. On a Sunday, people. Yeah. We got up early. (laughs) On a Sunday! I know. Uh, So the nose and eye secretions um, that that were just sort of a little bit liquidy become more like mucus. Oh, no. Because they have... excruciatingly painful conjunctivitis they become photophobic which means they avoid light oh their breathing becomes labored their condition drops away they become emaciated and dehydrated this rapid loss of fluid and salts results in death within five to 14 days of the onset of the illness that's quick very few last to the end of the third week far out yeah. That is... Rinderpest is not fucking around. Rinderpest has, depending on the strain and depending on the species and breed of cattle it has hit, has between a 50 to 100% mortality rate. Oh my god. This is... A disease that is seriously not fucking around. Far out. Yeah. Man, no wonder they wanted to get a handle on it. Yep. So the convalescing stage, which is the fifth stage, for those very few who have survived, takes several weeks. Mm-hmm. Any animal that is pregnant will abort during this phase because they the, their body is just not going to be able to carry that pregnancy to term. They Mm-mm. need to heal themselves. Mm. Any latent or chronic infections or um, or diseases that they had before are going to be aggravated and are going to flare up and need to be treated aggressively to avoid adding this animal to the dead pile. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Really not good. There is also the peracute form. Peracute. Per- just, just, just wait. Just oh, wait okay. to hear. Okay. Yeah. The fever sets in. A day or two later, they're dead. What? Mm-hmm. Just... Just dead. Just... There's... What? There's... There's... Fever? Dead. That is... Bizarre. You don't see the normal symptoms. They just die. That is so odd. They're just... 
they just keel over dead because it's it's um it's where you don't it's it's basically where it hits them too hard and too fast to display the normal set of symptoms and they just they just drop just goes they just drop sudden death far out that's freaky yes it is because you might not even notice that your cow has a fever no and then suddenly dead cow well, it's it's literally you milk them in the morning one day and you come out and they're dead the next. Frick! And it would be an it would be like half a herd. Just oh what? You 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 can have just half a herd walking around quite happily w- one day and then just dead in the paddock the next. Oh my like, god! Can you imagine being a farmer and just popping out and be like, "Hey, girls! Oh my god!" And there's just corpses everywhere. That would probably kill me. Oh, that's like the beginning of a horror movie. Zombie cows. Oh! <laughs> We're making light of it. It's a really serious disease. We just make light of it because this is our coping mechanism for horrific things. Yeah! Freaking heck. <laughs> yep. But you'll be delighted to note there is mm. also a milder form. Oh, yay! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> So depending on depending on which um, which I guess you'd call it subspecies. I can't remember the actual viral term for it right now. But depending on which subspecies of the virus that you get infected with depends on which version you get. So right. Okay. Some ones are some are a lot more virulent than others, and virulent was as we said how much they fuck you up. Um, and some are not as virulent. So the milder form. Is basically a stretched out version of the normal form, just with less severity and less death. Yay! (laughs) Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. Less suddenly dead cows. Yes. Delightful. So, the Rinderpest virus likes epithelium and lymphatic tissues. Awesome. So, I'll remind everyone who's who's, uh, not a veterinarian that we are giant meat donuts <laughs> our our intestines and our asshole are continuous with are continuous with our our exterior skin and all of that is lined with epithelium so that's and, and epithelium takes different different shapes and sizes it's really cool it's really cool cells tissues um so our our skin our nose, our mouth, our throat, our esophagus, our stomach, our intestines, our rectum, our asshole, are all lined with epithelium. Right. Yeah. And then you've got the lymphatic tissues, which is stuff like lymph nodes, and you've got lymph drainage, and you've got some cool lymph nodes in your intestines, which I really like. So... Rinderpest, as discussed above, causes the necrotic erosions on the oral mucosa and down the upper esophagus. The abomasum, which is one of the ruminant's many stomachs, right. becomes odom... <sighs> I'm not even going to try to say this. I can usually say this word, but I'm not going to try. Odematous. There we go. Which is basically yeah. where... Um, so edema is uh, a filling of fluid inside the tissue. So it becomes filled with fluid and all puffy and gross. Ugh. And hemorrhagic! Oh yay! Bleeding! Woo. Internal bleeding. You get ulcerations covered in black clotted 
blood. No, oh my god. Yeah, imagine that for a kicker. Oh, this is definitely zombie movie material. Oh, this is, oh yeah. So the payers patches, we, these are the lymph nodes of the intestines. So they are around the intest on the insides of the intestines. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. They become swollen and hemorrhagic. And then the zombie tissue bits slough off and you get deep ulcer craters. <gasps> In your guts! Well, they're, out, they're outside of your guts, but they're along the mesentery that connects everything. I'm, I'm, that That's anatomy and that's next level shit. Oh my god. Yeah. So basically you have, instead of nice, healthy lymph nodes, you have craters. Oh my god. Raw, angry craters. Oh, craters are kind of a theme for this for this disease. Yep. So the ileocecal valve, this is the one that separates the small intestine from the large intestine. Mm -hmm. This becomes angry and red and congested with blood. Mm. It hemorrhages. It shows really large areas of necrotic tissue and huge erosions. Holy shit. The large intestine is edematous, so once again, it's it's all filled with fluid yep. and red and congested with petechial hemorrhages. Petechials are the pinpricks. Oh! So the little pinprick hemorrhages all through it. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. Now, this rinderpest is commonly known as it, it has it has a it has a thing that's known as zebra striping or tiger striping in the large intestine this is really interesting so what? the the capillaries the really really small blood vessels yeah. under under the um mucus under the mucus membranes of the uh, large intestine mm -hmm. become thick and red and congested with blood and they look like zebra stripes or tiger stripes. That is so So when you weird. open the large intestine, you see zebra stripes and tiger stripes. Holy shit. So if you ever open the large intestine of a two-toed ungulate and you see zebra striping or tiger striping, start shitting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing call, it. <laughs> actually, don't shit yourself because that takes too much cleanup. Call whoever it is who's in charge of your like border control and your mm. exotic diseases, and then shit yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that's a better that's a better order. <laughs> so the gallbladder can range from either mildly hemorrhagic to severely hemorrhagic, but this one doesn't usually have the erosions. Yay! Woo! Oh, one organ fuck. finally escapes the erosions. A break from the erosions. Crikey, yeah. dick. But wait, there's more. Oh, wait. Oh, come on. Pinprick hemorrhages appear in the larynx and down the trachea. There are small hemorrhages deep in the heart tissue around the left ventricle. What? And the base of the heart. And there are hemorrhages in the bladder and vagina. Oh my God, it's freaking everywhere. The cornea may become ulcerated. No, not the eyeballs. Yes, the eyeballs. Oh, come on, they're already oozing mucus. But wait, it gets worse. Oh, of course it does. The skin on the inner thighs, udder, and scrotum may erode. No! Oh my, that's the worst! No! 
I oh, so just much imagine imagine trying to walk with that. That would be oh, excruciating. That's like the worst chafing. Oh, oh no. I mean, it's bad um, enough when you get like a like a little chafy bit, or God forbid, a goddamn inrow in here. Oh, God, it's so hurt. painful. Yes. No. Oh, and then yeah. having like eroding craters. Oh, frick! Yeah. Come on, it's just it's such a tender, special place. Yes. I don't want it to have craters. <laughs> but. We are in luck. This is a success story, and here we get into my novel. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> it took me a very long time. A hiatus so- was good for something. The hiatus was very good for something. <laughs> it gave Jen entirely too much time. Oh, yeah. Far too much time. <laughs> <laughs> She's very pleased with herself. This is going to be a long episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you're not interested, actually, it is it is fairly interesting. But if you do get bored, you can just skip to the end where we natter a bit more. We but won't know. It's okay. Yeah, we won't know and we don't mind. It's, it's fine. So, this is, at the end, a complete success story. Yay! The first report of a rinderpest inoculation was published in November 1754, issue of the Gentleman's Magazine. Oh, wow, that's early. I know. But after some initial experiments in England, it, um, yeah, it, it turned out to be a hoax. But some oh, after... I know. Fuckers. After some initial experiments in England, the focus of activity shifted to the Netherlands, where in 1755, experiments began in earnest. Of the 17 inoculated animals, only three survived, one of those having had the disease before. Oh, Oh dear. <laughs> a few further trials were performed in England, but as Rinderpest had left England, interest waned and almost all further experimentations were done in the Netherlands, Northern Germany, and Denmark. Oh. Mm. The smallpox vaccination was still in debate at this time, including the theological debate being that the disease is a divine punishment and trying to prevent it by inoculation was acting against God's will. Oh, come on. I'm pretty sure this debate is still going on today. Oh. Um, No, these days it's science is evil, Um, which is basically the same thing. Um, (laughs) Look how far we've come. Not really. It became obvious that inoculation was not a valid solution for rinderpest control at the time, as it just kept rinderpest circulating through the cattle population. But they did prove that inoculation worked. When it worked. Ah. Which wasn't often. So a few people tried to vaccinate cows against rinderpest using the smallpox vaccination. Didn't really work, despite how logical it seemed at the time. Because mm, it's different. Yep. Different. I, I almost said different species. Technically, technically it is. Different species of virus. Um, so in nine, eight, whoa, 1897, 10 years after it began, the great African rinderpest epizootic spread from Transvaal to Cape Colony. In 1896, a team comprised of Arnold Thaler and Herbert Watkins Pitchford had already begun work in Transvaal studying immune serum as a curative method. Simultaneous inoculation of the virus and the immune system serum 
as a vaccine of sorts. Oh. So this work was then taken over by a team led by Drs. Borde and Daniz... Dan... Dan D-A-N-Y-S-Z. Wait, where is it? Unless I'm I did a typo. Do, do, do. It might have been a typo because S and Z are really close to one another, but I'm just going to say Danny's. From Paddy, who demonstrated the protective effects of immune serum. So for those who don't know, you've got um, your blood is comprised of two things. You've got your red blood cells and you've got your serum, which is all the fluidy bits. Um Immune serum is also it, it serum is also where you have all your uh, immune stuff. So all your all your um, I can't even remember what they're called platelets, that kind of thing, all the cool stuff that that, that protects you from stuff. So <clears throat> if you get serum from a cow that's already had rinderpest, that's immune serum. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's already got the it's already got the immune cells that will activate and specifically attack rinderpest. Right. Yes, which is really useful. You want those. Cool. Um, so yes. it's basically a blue a, a blueprint for teaching the the new cow new cow's immune system how to do the thing. Well, it's it's less that and more. You're giving you're giving the cow. The immune cells that will activate and specific uh, that that are specifically for rinderpest and will activate and will latch onto rinderpest and will then tell the rest of the immune system kill this. Right. Okay. Oh, well, it's a little bit more complex than that, but that's about as complex as I can get to at ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> Fair enough. Without looking over my notes. <laughs> um. So a dude named Robert. Koch, I'm going to assume that's how you pronounce it, and there's probably a phlegmy thing in there. He rocked on up and began working with a team of local staff. Uh, he uh, fled to India in early 1897 on a new quest. He didn't actually flee, he just ran off to India because he's the kind of person who, you know, runs in, does amazing stuff, runs off. Um, but he did leave a report indicating that the serum from a recovered cow gave short-term protection, but a mixture of immune serum and blood from an infected cow, so with the virus, produced an active immunity. And this was the most effective way of immunising cows against rinderpest until the development of inactivated vaccines much, much later. Oh, wow! Mm -hmm. That's interesting. By the end of 1931 to 1932, just over half a million animals had been immunised by this simultaneous method in India. By 1920, half a million vaccinations were carried out in Egypt and a high level of control of the virus was achieved. I was going to say, with India, like you really, that's, you know, in Hinduism, obviously cows are sacred animals. So, yeah. and they just, they don't keep them penned up, they just wander. Yeah. So if they're sick, they can just tootle off anywhere they like. And transmit to everywhere. Yeah, literally the whole thing. So you definitely want those guys immunized. Girls, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Girls and guys. Yeah. Well, you want everybody immunized so that nobody has to deal with the terrifying eroding cooch. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> and the smell. Yes. Can you imagine that? 
in just like in urban India and the moves are just passing through and it's just this waft of stank of dying yeah you can't isolate it to the rural areas because they go everywhere yep fucking hell so Russia discovered, developed, and applied the simultaneous method themselves. And in the space of two to three years, around 1931, this method had eradicated Rinderpest from the whole of Russia. Woo! That's no small feat, because Russia is freaking enormous. And this is in 1931. That's crazy. We're, t- we're talking a long time ago. Like yeah. Over 90 years ago. Yeah. Freaking heck. Yeah. Yeah. Rinderpest was eradicated from Iran in 1931 using a formalin-inactivated vaccine, and a newer inactivated vaccine was used when the virus reinvaded in 1949. Wow. So an inactivated vaccine is where they take the virus and they, and they basically kill it with something, in this case formalin. Um, Inactivated vaccines helped to eradicate rinderpest from the Philippines and Thailand before the Second World War. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. In Sri Lanka, an impossible-to-get-rid-of-rinderpest problem was solved in 1934 through importing inactivated rinderpest vaccines from East Africa. In 1939, an outbreak spread from Manchuria to Russia when serum and quarantine failed to suppress it, and an inactivated vaccine led to its its elimination within five months. Oh, nice! Yes. To resolve the problem of giving live virus to cows, both India and Africa research groups uh, passaged the virus through goats. Now, passaging is a cool, fancy word. It basically means, in this instance, put the virus in, a, in goat A, Take the virus from goat A and stick it in goat B. Take the virus from goat B and stick it in goat C. And keep doing that and keep doing that. Because viruses mutate so quickly, they very quickly um, mutate to adapt to their new host. Ah. So the theory is that if they adapt to the goat, they are less adapted to cows. Right, okay. Yeah. So this did, in fact, lead to the virus becoming more focused on goats and not as fatal to cows. That being said, they tested this by inoculating test cows with goat blood at the 25th passage, the 50th passage, the 250th passage, to see how many cows died. A lot of cows died for science. Oh, dear. Yeah. So the 25th passage is the 25th goat that they passed the that they passed the virus through. That's so many goats! A lot of goats. Yeah. Did those goats die too? Uh, not the first lot. Far out. Because, of course, it was... The, the Rinderpest um, virus was uh, focused on cows. It could live in goats, but it couldn't do the same amount of damage in right. goats that it okay. could in cows. So by adapting it to goats, to make it, to make it really bad for goats, it lost its badness for cows. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. No, I get it. It just, it seems like a lot of work for a lot of goats. (laughs) It is a lot of work for a lot of goats. But this goat-adapted rinderpest virus was used with serum and simultaneous administration of live virus method from 1931 onwards. 
and it was used in the successful eradication of rinderpest from Thailand after the Second World War. Cool. The big problem, however, was mm-hmm. that the goat attenuated virus, attenuated means it's it's adapted to it. Yeah. Um, is that some bovine species and breeds are so much more susceptible to the virus than others. So zebu cattle of Kenya are very susceptible, as mm. are Korean cattle and yaks. Bizarre. Yes. The goat attenuated virus still caused a much too high mortality percentage to be used in those populations. So they could not inoculate those po- those populations. Oh no, because they just they're, there was there was too much death. Oh yeah, yeah. New strains of the goat attenuated virus have become available throughout the years, and it was still used to vac- vaccinate cattle and buffalo in Bangladesh and Myanmar in 1990. Oh, that's really recent. It is. Wow. Like, this this is really recently that we managed to get rid of it. Fuck. Yeah. So a guy called Nakamura accidentally created a vaccine by passing it through by passaging it through rabbits. What? Yep. He wanted to, he was he was having a look at, at how it um so he wanted to see how it killed and what process it went through. And rabbits, of course, are easy okay. and breed quickly, so you don't have to wait for cows to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the virus adapted so quickly to rabbits that it stopped affecting bovines as much. Still, the rabbit-passaged virus took up to 350 passages. So that's going through 350 rabbits, which honestly is like two minutes. No, oh my God. Because rabbits... <laughs> Oh my god. Before the virus caused only slight reactions. And in 1941, the rabbit passaged virus was distributed in Mongolia, where it was used safely and effectively on calves without the protective serum. Oh wow, that's a big step. Yep. It was also used in Africa and Asia in conjunction with the goat vaccine. So it, they used the rabbit vaccine specifically with breeds of cattle that were unsuitable for the goat vaccine. Right. In 1945, it was acquired and used by the Chinese National Research Bureau of Animal Industry. And in 1949, at Passage 630, it had been Frick. used for the preparation of a vaccine which caused only mild reactions in cattle and buffalo. Wow. This vaccine was then provided to numerous countries, including Egypt, Pakistan, and Ethiopia. Far out. Yep. 600th passage! And the fact that this is, this is a truly international effort because no country was undamaged by this disease. Mm, it's really far-reaching. It really is a plague. Yeah. Chinese workers at the Harbin Veterinary Institute created a vaccine that was finally safe and effective for all species and breeds. Yay! Even the Korean cattle and yaks. Wow, that's amazing! Finally, what they did was they took the rabbit attenuated virus, Mm -hmm. put it through goats, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then when they'd they'd put it through goats, uh, 
many, many times. It still wasn't safe for all species, mm-hmm. so they put it through sheep. Oh, wow. This virus has done run the entire gamut of species. This is... This is a bit nuts. Wow. Yes. They could finally produce a vaccine from sheep, lymph nodes, and spleens. That is so gross. I mean, kind of cool, but mostly gross. Yes. This vaccine was used for the final push to eradicate rinderpest in China. Well, yay! I mean, again, stupidly huge country. Yes. You need a really, really, really big collaborated effort to get rid of it. Yeah. So I will note that the avian, so that's bird, attenuated rinderpest virus history is long and amounted to not much. Except that they went they went and stuck it back through cattle. Uh, sorry. They went and stuck it back through rabbits and then used it to vaccinate Korean and Vietnamese cattle. So wait, avian. So they were using birds. Yep. They stuck it through birds, and then they stuck it back through rabbits, and then they vaccinated Korean and Vietnamese cattle. Which birds, I wonder? Chickens. Oh, yeah. Then came the tissue cultures, because now we were cool enough that we could actually, you know, culture tissue. Yay! Specifically bovine kidney. (laughs) The first ten passages through bovine kidney cells, the virus actually increased its mortality rate, which rose from 60% to 100%. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, and shit! It gets worse. Oh, it no. decreased its average time from infection to death, which went from nine days to three. Oh, no, that is a massive fuck-up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, wow. So you had one job. One oh, job! No. Instead, you made a killer virus. Oh, oh, fuck. (laughs) But the good news is, by the 16th time they put it through bovine kidney cells, this had gone back down to the level of the original virus, and the symptoms reduced from there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Far out. So, if you really want to kill everything... Stick rinderpest through bovine kidney a couple of times and then chuck it out into the world. That's like Don't a, do that, please. That's a fuck up on the level of the first Jurassic Park movie with those scientists. <laughs> like, yay, we made velociraptors. Woohoo, we're so smart. Who does that? Who the fuck made velociraptors? Like, And also, they were enormous. You know, velociraptors, yes. they're only supposed to be the size of chickens. Yes. And they made big cross angry dinosaur cheetahs like come on you had one job you know yeah but this this is the this is the thing about about scientists we have to do stupid shit so why did you do it because they could for science <laughs> seemed like a yeah. good idea at the time Famous last words. Yeah, let's let's put this virus through some kidney cells and see what happens. And the oh no, but, it's worse. We made Velociraptor disease instead of <laughs> we made Velociraptors instead of chickens. <laughs> Look, it's so cool, but massively unusable. Yeah, <laughs> hugely impractical. Like seriously, yes. think about it. It's, it's it's a direct parallel. Chickens, hugely useful, kind of cute, very fluffy. Velociraptors. 
they go fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. You can't eat them. You probably could. I mean, you could. Really to, but how? You had to kill them first. There, there lies the problem. You know, it's the same thing with the fucking render pest through the cow kidney. Instead of chickens, they got velociraptors. Yep. Just guys. <laughs> and then they had to work backwards and like turn velociraptors back into chickens. not quite chickens. No, they didn't yeah. even get chickens. It took them ages to do chickens. It took them a very long time to get to chickens. The fucking geologic age between velociraptors <laughs> and chickens. But in petri dishes. <laughs> At I least mean, it was only on. in petri dishes and not actual velociraptors. There that is, I mean, there's that, but you know, still yeah. dead cows. Yes, exactly. The net result is the same. <laughs> velociraptors, dead cows. Rinderpest, dead cows dead that cows. smell bad. I mean, it's all—it's worse. It's worse. Yes, it's worse than velociraptors. Worse. Yes. At least the velociraptors eat most of the carcass. Yeah, exactly. They're very efficient. Yes. You just get stanky carcasses from... Rinderpest. From... Yes. Yeah. See? Massively unhelpful. Yes. But fortunately, there were then studies back on back on track. <laughs> Sorry, there were. <laughs> uh. um, there were then studies to show how safe this tissue culture version of the virus was, and how much of an immune, an immune response each breed of cow would provide. Right. So all of this testing was done in the late nineteen fifties. It was then th- used throughout the world because of the issues with both the goat and the rabbit attenuated viruses in mm-hmm. use at the time. So with the goat virus, there was the high reaction percentages in some breed and age ranges where they could not vaccinate them. Oh, yeah. Um, and with the rabbit attenuated virus, you really had to keep them cold all the way right through to delivery. And that's hard when you're trying to get it out into the rural areas yeah. of yeah. No, uh, like Somalia. Oh, no, it's yeah. so hard. No. Very difficult. And in the 50s. Yes. That's so awkward. Where there's no really good refrigerated trucks. Mm. Well, there probably were, but, you know, not as good as today. So... The tissue culture rinderpest vaccine swept in and became the vaccination de jour. I know, I'm using fancy words. I don't even know what it means. (laughs) But I've heard it used. Poosh. I know. It's French, it's poosh, it's fine. Exactly. As the world began to properly rid itself of rinderpest, the need to be able to tell the difference between animals that have been vaccinated and animals that have been exposed to or or are currently infected by wild rinderpest virus was needed. So now we're, now they're trying to find now they were try, they were trying to find part of the virus that would stimulate the immune response but would show up on a test as vaccination immune response as opposed to wild rinderpest virus oh, immune response. I see. So when the wild rinderpest va- uh, virus pops in, mm-hmm. the immune responds to one specific bit on that, or a number of specific bits on that. I haven't actually looked into it properly. I'm really sorry for the professionals who know all of this shit. You're just going to have to run with me. I'm this student. is amazing to me, considering that you wrote a friggin' novel and 
<laughs> there's still more. Frick. The end is in sight. Don't worry. Oh, no, this is hugely interesting and also... Oh, good. Occasionally funny. Yes. <laughs> so, th- when the wild rinder pest infects a cow... Right. The immune responds to a group of specific bits on that virus, right? Proteins? Yes. Right. What they're looking, what they were looking for mm-hmm. is another bit that the immune doesn't respond to in the wild rinderpest virus, but when it's separated, the immune system does respond to it. So like they, they, they're wanting to take out one chunk of the virus mm-hmm. and have the immune respond to that. Right. So that they can say, so let's, let's label the, let's label the proteins that the that the immune system responds to on the wild rinderpest virus. Cool. We've got A, B, and C. Right. They want to find Z, which they take out of the virus, and when it's separated from A, B, and C, the immune system responds. Oh, okay. So you can very clearly go, okay, this is an immune response to Z. This is not an immune response to A, B, and C, therefore it's been vaccinated. Or this is an immune response to A, B, and C, therefore it has had or currently has the rinderpest virus. Right. Okay. Yes. So that's really important because they need to know whether or not cows are still getting infected with yep. the wild rinderpest virus. Mm-hmm. And now I've got another cat coming in. Cutie is going to jump and tie. No, he's not going to jump. He's going to flop somewhere. He's very confused. Okay, cat, come on. Come on, cutie. The cats. Cutie. Come on, cutie. Come on, you silly sausage. Come on, sit on me. Go. I'm so jealous. I miss him so much. He's so confused. I'm not usually sitting here. Yeah, for those of you who don't know about cutie, um, it's short for Sir Mercutio McHuffer. I help yes. name him. He's yes. a big, dark grey tabby. Um, he's a mog. Um, he's a moggy. Jenny found him on the road. I didn't. I actually didn't find him. A, oh, that's um, right. One of so I used to work in a veterinary clinic for cats here up um, up here in Auckland um, as a receptionist, and one of our clients. Uh, had a schoolgirl pop in and say, "Hey, there's this random kitten following me down a main road. Um, I don't know what to do." And so she grabbed it, but her old cat hated it, so I took it. Aww. I took him. And now I have him. He's so cute. He's not very bright. He's kind of He's... a Darwin Award waiting to happen. Oh, he is. Um, but he is a big purry beast. I can hear him purring. I'm so jealous. Yeah. He's also one of those cats that he flops and when he flops he kind of expands horizontally and becomes yeah. like a puddle of cat and on a he cold also, day he is so nice on your lap oh, it's delicious yes he is he also has a huge amount of excess skin that's not because he was fat well he's always been large but he's never been like he chonk he's always just he's he's a big cat he's just a big dude he is a very big cat, but he has always had hips. Um, at his at his heaviest, he weighed in at eight kilos. Now he's tipping the scales of I think six point seven or something. Um, 
and he's got hypothyroidism so he's medicated and he's got polyuria and polydipsia so he pees a lot and he drinks a lot um and he's got he's got old man lumps and he's got old man purrs and he's getting cranky and he's lost all his muscles but he's very he's very shouty now it's great he does the old man old man shouts which is great cutie meow no, he's too busy purring and dub dubbing. <laughs> oh god, he's taking my he's doing that. Okay, so <clears throat> continuing. Hello cat. He's he's yes, he's blocking. There we go. <laughs> um so uh while some of these vaccines have been developed, I can't actually find any information about them being in regular use. They might be, I don't know. The Global Rinderpest Eradication Program was initiated in 1994 and was successful in reducing rinderpest outbreaks to uncommon by the late 1990s. Oh, wow. Yep. How old were we in the 1990s? Primary school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I would have been about nine in 94. Yeah. No. No, younger. Younger, because I was 2000 entry into high school. Yes. So I was 13 in 2000. Uh, How old was I? I would have been 12, because I'm a year younger than you. Yeah. Yeah. Weedle. Weedle. Weedle babies. I, yeah, yeah. I don't want to think about that, because, actually, no, I do want to think about that, because I wore brightly coloured shorts. I was an outrageous tomboy. I was always running around and playing with the lads. And I had a fluoro yellow hat um, with, you know, those those sunshade backs to protect your neck. Oh, my God. And uh, you would have been 13 and I would have been 12. I think that was like the year after we met because I was 11 when we met. And I was 12. Yes. Yeah, I think I vaguely remember that hat. Yes. Good Lord, Jen. I know. I know. (laughs) It was mum's idea and it was the 90s in New Zealand. So 80s everywhere else. Anyway, the last confirmed case was in Kenya in 2001. Oh, nice. Yep. That's a while back. That's quite a while back. Since then, there have been no confirmed cases of rinderpest, but it was suspected that the disease was present in Somalia past this date. Hmm. Yes. But the final vaccinations were administered in 2006, and the final surveillance operations were undertaken in 2009, and there was no sign of the disease. Yay! No eroding coochies! No more eroding. From Rinderpest, at least. I'm sure there are eroding coochies from other things. Oh! Ow! Chin! (laughs) Sorry to spoil your fun, darling. Ah. But on 28th of June 2011, the Food and Agriculture Organization and its member countries officially recognized global freedom from Rinderpest. Woo! Yay! The eradication effort is estimated to have cost $5 billion. Whose dollars, though? US dollars? I don't know. Probably. Probably US dollars. That's a lot. Everything is in. What's that in New Zealand dollars? Heaps, bro. 10 million billion trillion. Gwillion. We're very bad against the US dollar at the moment, which sucks because yeah. I want to buy sunglasses. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Fucking hell. Yep. And so that is uh, that is the story of Rinderpest. I will also note that um, in my readings of Rinderpest, 
there was a very, very important note about measles. So rinderpest and measles are very, very similar, with some strains being uh, 70.5% identical. Wow. Um, They think rinderpest was the origin of measles uh, back in... Uh, back 10,000 years ago when we started, you know, domesticating the aurochs. Yeah. The extinct aurochs. Um, and uh, in developing countries, around one million children die from measles a year. Uh, when the vaccinations rolled out, they managed to vaccinate about 75% of the world, world's population and it was estimated 7 to 8 million children died per year before the vaccines were rolled out. Um, measles is a fatal disease. It is not chickenpox. It is not mild. You can get everything from death to... Uh, well, you've got meningoencephalitis, so that's uh, swelling, of the, swelling of the brain, and you die. Uh, it is devastating and people aren't vaccinating because they are afraid of what a liar has said yeah a liar and a fraudster please remember Um, that guy got his medical license taken away from him because he was paying children because he was being paid by uh the guys who were creating an alternative mmr vaccination to poo-poo the current MMR vaccines and to link them to autism, which is actually more likely a genetic disease. Hello, my entire, like, I have an entire family full of autists. Um, It has a very strong genetic component and it is just a very sad coincidence that it tends to show up around about the time that we get our MMR shots. and the fact that people are more afraid of autism than your child dying is just fucking insulting. Um, it really, really is. Yeah. It's so, insane. Um, for further information on measles, I would recommend uh, having a listen to um, the measles episode by um, This Podcast Will Kill You, yes. um, which is really good. Um, yeah. They go into the history of disease, of the disease and the vaccines um, and the impact that it can have um right now it's a bit scary because um immunization rates have been so bad here in new zealand we are actually having the worst outbreak of measles that we've had in decades we've got huge amounts of hospitalizations um there's a big drive to get people to immunize more um yeah i think at the moment we have over a thousand confirmed cases and that's confirmed cases yeah um, the that's just the tip of the iceberg the number of unconfirmed cases will be double triple that so we've got a serious problem yeah um and most of it is centered around auckland our biggest city um so a high population and, density which is not awesome no mm. and we've now had i think it's the second domestic flight warning uh yes yeah because you're you are infectious before you show symptoms yeah which pretty much this makes is, you a flight risk this this is this is this is what drives me potty about people it's like oh no you show symptoms before you're infectious no you fucking don't you are infectious before you show symptoms you do not know that you are infectious 
at the time that you're infectious. Nobody knows. Nobody can see it. Yep. And it's aerosolized. It is highly contagious. And even if you are vaccinated, you can get a milder version of it. Um, and if you are unvaccinated, you will get the full punch. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think, I can't remember from um, the um, This Podcast Will Kill You episode, but I would imagine mm. that like a lot of diseases, it affects um, our most vulnerable um, the most, mm -hmm. most hard. So um it does yeah so please please be aware of you know we've got little babies and all the rest who are still very vulnerable and yep. who can't be immunized people who are immunocompromised as well who can't have the mm -hmm. vaccine relying on herd immunity um mm -hmm. please you know think of think of your kids think of you know your own health um, please think of your community as well, because yeah. um, it's not just, it's never just your family and yourself that are getting, that a immunization will, um, will help. It's everyone around you. It's the most vulnerable in your community that you're also doing it for. Yep. Um, and as someone who has little vulnerable godchildren, um, who I don't think the youngest girls have had their, sorry, that's my phone. Um, it's my mother. Um, for the young, you know, the little ones, I don't know if they've had, if they're able to have their um, MMR yet. Um, mm. So they will be relying on herd immunity. So, yeah, yeah this is totally off the subject of, of vet, pra vet practice. But the herd, just, the herd yeah. immunity here has broken down. It really has um, in a big way. It's a bit yeah. scary. Yeah. And uh, the other the other thing to note is that um, I think it was over 70% of the those who have uh, confirmed measles cases have either been unvaccinated or don't know their vaccine history. So mm, get onto it, people. Get vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. That's bring, my little spiel um, on measles. Unpopular opinion time. Bring back the nineties where you just had to. You, if you were a school kid, you just had to get immunized. Yeah, that was just straight off the bat. You just, you just did it. Yeah, you know. I appreciate that this will be a that this will be a thing that probably piss off a lot of people but sometimes you have to take decisions away from people because people are dumb oh, frightening. people make not not dumb people make bad decisions based on bad information and bad because science. they don't look for or trust the good information mm. and that's sad mm. yeah i mean i'm all for freedom of choice but in this one thing Please just immunize. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. Do it! Yeah. Yeah. That's our spiel on... That's actually a kind of sobering note to end on. Yes, I don't want to. I think we need nice things to finish on. I think we do need nice we things We need to, to take on. a page out of Karen and George's book and do a fucking hooray type thing. Yes. I need so one. what is your what is your good thing that has happened? My good thing, uh my good thing is that for my trigeminal neuralgia I finally managed to get an appointment with a neurologist. We have a shortage of neurologists apparently. I did not know. Mm. Um but I it, I was looking down the barrel of not being able to get an appointment until December, which no, no thank you. Um but they had me on the urgent waiting list. So when there was a cancellation, they called me and were like Amy, come see us. And I was like, yes, please. So um, I managed to get appointment leave from work. And on Wednesday, I will be going off 
to see a neurologist about my trigeminal neuralgia and hopefully sorting out a better way to manage this pain because I've been having really bad flare-ups and it sucks so much. But also I adulted yesterday and I cleaned my oven. That is very impressive. I, I never clean my oven because that sounds problem. <laughs> I don't use the oven enough. He's the one who uses the majority of the oven, so he cleans the oven. Yeah, I mean, I use it all the time. And I was kind of looking at it, and I'm like, this is a bit shameful. Like, it was to the point where I'm just like, if my mum turned up tomorrow and looked in my oven, I'd be like, oh, no. <gasps> so I thought I better do something about it. It was quite sad. There was, there was like something that had oozed down there and turned to charcoal. Yum. Like, oh no. It's quite bad. Yum. I was like, do I even own oven cleaner? <laughs> I had to go digging for it. As it turns out, I own two, one of which is biodegradable. Nice. I know. Also, I found out that, uh, I know this is like three things, but I found out that there is, so sorry, no, I'm not sorry. Keep going. I'm not sorry. Um, I found out that there's a company in the Ukraine that makes sunglasses out of coffee grounds, and now I want a pair. I really want a pair of their circular ones with the yellow lenses so that I can look like I a mad know, scientist. so cool. <laughs> Except that I'd need to get prescription lenses. I think they might do custom ones, but it'd probably be quite expensive. It's, I've already looked into it. They do do custom ones and it's like 213 US all up. Oh yeah. Which honestly isn't bad. I paid like eight, nine hundred bucks for these freaking glasses. Wow. Yeah. I have wow. eye problems. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, you know, I get my, uh, my glasses through the government and because they're just for computer work. Um, but let me let me yeah. rephrase that. My dad paid about nine hundred dollars for my glasses <laughs> because <laughs> I am an <laughs> impoverished student. Oh, I'm thirty-two years old and I am an impoverished student. I also have two cats, a dog, and two horses, and that may be another reason why I'm impoverished. But that's beside the point. Possibly, but that's look uh, having a menagerie of animals. That's therapy. Exactly. Let's be real. Cheaper than a therapist and much nicer. <laughs> I can hug my therapists. Yeah, there you go. So, Hank, I've I've done my spiel. What's yours? Come on, positive thing. Hit positive me thing? My positive thing is this house. Yeah? I love this house and the catio and the garden. I have a garden. I haven't had a garden since I moved out of home when I was 18. No, 19. It's like, Ooh. I have raised garden beds oh that's so cool i have two raised garden beds that are currently empty and i really need to go over with like biodegradable weed killer because oh my god so many weeds but i have a designed garden with garden edging with with trees already in place uh, i have an entire row of lavender outside one of my windows Ooh, and so the bees just so buzz nice. And I have native birds that visit around my garden. And it's just, you have no idea how relaxing it is to sit on my study desk with the morning sun coming in one window, my cacti and succulents down there. They're called the collective. And <laughs> the bay doors completely open. 
to the catio and the cat's just running out and sniffing everything and the dog out on the catio as well and it's just <sighs> I can't wait to visit bless which is actually I'm coming down uh in a couple weeks I think yes yeah you might be coming down at the same time as my mum oh that's okay because I'll be staying with my mum that's right up at yep. Mangaropi yeah and then we'll be doing a bit of visiting yes I will be sending my mum up to Mangaropi to see it and meet the alpacas and everything. Oh, my God. So we got an alpaca halter for my mum's alpacas, <laughs> which we will potentially make attempts to catch one of the fuckers. So alpacas. who knows? Alpacas are crazy. Um, there's a Suri alpaca and there's three huakayas and their fleece is so lovely. You've got something but like I'm... eight kilos of it or whatever. Yeah. But I need to get a drum carter first. I don't so that know I can... what that is. It's a thingy and it ro- and it spins and it cards the fleece for me instead of me oh, doing okay. it. Oh, okay. Well, hand. that would be much easier. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But they're like five to eight hundred bucks. So. Ha! Yeah. Heck. Yeah. One day. <laughs> but on that note, um, now that we've done our little nice tidbits. Mm-hmm. We can't call it fucking hooray because that would probably be copyrighted. So nice oh, tidbits. Georgia will come after us with a stick. Yes, yes, yes. And she will she will uh, mummify us with cat litter. Oh, no. I remember that episode. Um, anyway, um, now that we have sort of done our little thing, mm-hmm. support us on Patreon. We have a Patreon oh, page. Oh, yeah, I forgot we have a Patreon. <laughs> yes, we thing. have a it, it, it is a thing. Um, I'm going to find out what it is. Patreon. Can you not oh. remember the name of our Patreon? Oh, shit, no. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash up to the shoulder. Yes, we are also on, um, we're on Instagram. Insta- yep. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Um, <laughs> we're I on need one, please. Instagram. Instagram. Yes. Um, we're on, uh, are we on Facebook? No, we are not on Facebook. We are not on Facebook, and I don't think we're on Twitter because we're lazy. Yes. Our Instagram is up to the shoulder podcast. Check us out there. We occasionally post stuff, um, including random shit that I say or get said to me and such like that. Um, and uh, you can also email us. Um, what's our email address? I'm just going to find that because it's I'll a Gmail, right? Anything. It's Gmail account. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's Gmail. I'm just loading it up now, so we'll have it in a second. Where are we? I'm just looking at how long this podcast is. It's very long. Up to the shoulder at gmail.com. Well, there you go. Yes. So if you want to contact us and tell us things, that's cool. Um, It'd be really, yeah, it'd be really awesome to have some super gross vet stories come our way. That we can then read on the podcast. That'd be fun. Yes. Um, yeah. Fuck, guys, this podcast is, this episode's going to be super long. I think we're making up for how our huge hiatus. <laughs> it's one hour. <laughs> Already one hour and 30 minutes. Sweet babe Jesus. Ugh. Okay. We should probably tie this off. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we love you very much. Yep. Thank you so much for your patience yes um yeah come and have a listen tell us what you think 
please like, rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, all those things. That will mean that other people will listen to us. And tell all your friends. Tell yes. your vet friends. Tell, tell your non-vet friends. Tell everyone who doesn't want to listen to you. Tell your cat. Really? I don't know what the cat would do with it, but tell your cat anyway. Yeah. Or your dog. Or your horse if you have one. Anything, really. We'll take what we can get. We're not picky. <laughs> no, we're really not. We're not picky. No. Anyway, thank you very, okay. very much. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.